The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Sheldon Jacobs. Uh, He's a famed uh, author and newsletter writer, and he's just come out with a new book called Investing Without Wall Street, The Five Essentials of Financial Freedom. Welcome to the show, Sheldon. Well, thank you so much for inviting me on. Just let's tell people people briefly about your background and the news that he wrote and and why it was important to do this book. Well, there's an interesting story to it. Uh, I've been an investment advisor Oh, since, uh, well, I wrote the first book on on uh, investing in no-load mutual funds back in 1974. And then in 1979, I began my own newsletter, The uh, No-Load Fund Investor, which I uh, published and edited for 25 years. Uh, and not only was that a monthly newsletter, but I complemented it with uh, an annual handbook, no-load fund investors, but uh, I sold the, I sold out the newsletter in, in 2004. I've been kind of retired, but uh, not really because I'm still writing. Because I'd rather write um, than say play golf. And uh, I, but I'm finding my writing is is, is quite different. I've, I'm I'm trying to zero in. On what's really important, because I, now that I'm away from the day-to-day grind, I, 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 I myself want to invest, look at investing in terms of what's really important and what can I skip and what won't make any difference. And that was really the genesis of the book. And what I came up with, and, and again, I've been playing around with this since 2004, uh, but I came up with there are only five investing principles that you really need to know. I call them the essentials. They are when determine the right asset allocation. Secondly, properly diversify within asset classes. Three, understand and control risk. Four, keep your costs low. And five, choose your right financial media to follow. Uh, I can go through all of them and. And they're all important, uh, though I must say, uh, determining the right asset allocation is, is not exactly original. Matter of fact, I just I discovered that on the subject of diversification, there's over 2,500 books have been written on the subject. But anyway, I put my two cents worth in on the first four. But the fifth one, I, I want to spend a little bit of time on that one hasn't really been treated by the press, and it's kind of strange because the press, well, I guess it's not so strange. The press 
sometimes ignores its own. And I consider myself part of the media. Uh, and, and by the way, before I became an investment advisor, I spent 25 years working in television, and that is certainly a media. Okay, we're going to go to the five uh, in, in more detail, Sheldon. We're going to get into the five in more detail. Before we get into the specific uh, areas, why don't you kind of tell me overall what kind of mistakes do investors tend to make uh, that could be corrected and give them much better returns based on having looked at them for so many years? Well, I think the, the, what I finally came down with, and your question is a very good one, is that uh, two investors spend too much time looking for specific investments. You know, the best mutual fund or the best stock or the, you know, the best Internet company or whatever. Uh, and that's not really the most profitable way to spend your time. In fact, it may be unprofitable. Uh, so I think that it's uh, uh, to get down to the essentials, looking at asset allocation, things like that. And that is what's going to be the most productive for the average person. And it's also the easiest. Once, once you make those kind of decisions, you generally can stay, stay with them in, until such time as the, your, your lifestyle needs change. Okay, very good. All right, well, let's go right into it. Your, your first of your, first, uh, your essential uh, aspects for investing is to determine the right asset allocation. So maybe just do a little bit of, of what kind of uh, benefit one gets from proper diversification and how should one asset allocate correctly, considering there's so many different choices out there today? Well, the, that is, I think, the critical question. Um, Can you hear me? Oh, yes. It's a critical question. Did you lose him? And you have to settle that first, and, and, and it's a difficult question, because, but, well, let, let me start again. Professionals, Institutions sometimes uh, diversify among uh, as many as 12 different asset classes. And again, I call them baskets. Uh, the average person doesn't need to do that. In fact, the average person can get by with just three asset classes, stocks, bonds, and cash. That's, that's really all the average person needs. And then when you think about that, what's really important is is the stocks, because that's where the most risk is. So if you get your equity allocation correct, and again, it can, your equity allocation can vary. It can be as, as uh, small as 25% for, say, an 80-year-old who's long retired, or it could be as much as 90, 85 90% for a young person who's got a whole uh, uh, lifetime ahead of him. So you need to do that, but uh, uh, what I'm finding is is that if you just keep your asset allocation or stock, your stock market asset allocation in, in your head at, at all times, that is more profitable to, for you, and it'll keep you out of trouble, and it'll and you won't uh, lose everything. And if you spend all your about uh, which uh, 
company I should be you know buying new? Should I should I buy Apple now or should I not buy Apple or whatever? Um, and uh, that 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 is important. Now, in my case, I, I'm retired and I'm living off my my uh, assets, my financial assets, that and Social Security. That, that's what I have. So I I tend to be on the conservative side. Right now, I'm about 41% invested in equities, and uh, and I think that's appropriate for me. Now, I may change that um, if I they became wealthier or less wealthy. I might change it if I if I've been working and now I'm retired. But um, you can keep this. This one figure, if you if you keep it in your head and 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 make do don't get too uh, aggressive with your investing, you're never going to have a problem. And some people can tell you, you know, how, how much their favorite stock or mutual fund grows, gained or lost in a week. That's not nearly as important as having your asset allocation pinned down. And so uh, in the book, I, I go through uh, various ways of, of looking at it. And again, again, George, if you get stocks right, the bonds and the cash will fall into place. So you really don't even have to worry about it. Um, so what would what would be a typical? And, uh, uh, I want people to emphasize that, and they're going to be and they're going to be better off. And uh, I find this whole this one concept so critical. Because you know, I, I've I've done a lot of speaking. You've done speaking. You know, you know what it's about. The minute you give a, an advisor makes a, a recommendation, everybody in the audience perks up, and if they have a pencil and paper there, they sit down, they write down the the uh, the recommendation. And there are people out there that if they if they go to something like a money show. And if they get 50 recommendations, they're, they're, they think they're, they've spent the time more profitably than if they only got 10 recommendations. But that's not the way it works. What's, what's important is to go there, make sure you're properly diversified, and then it doesn't matter all that much whether you one of your individual security selections will uh, be a great winner or a failure. So, Sheldon, tell me, for different age groups, say the 20s and 30s, 40s and 50s, and retired, what would be an optimum kind of asset allocation they should be aiming for? Oh, I, I think uh, 20 to 30 could, could easily be 85% of your portfolio into equities. Um, middle age, I would go, say, 50%, uh, 55%. Retires... Retirees, I go 25 to 40 percent. Uh, again, these can be varied by the market. If you're if you're convinced there's a strong bull market, uh, you can increase your equity allocation. Uh, if you're bearish, or uh, then you can decrease it. So even today, when with bonds yielding and cash basically yielding nothing, and bonds having extremely low yields. You still think retirees should have that much in cash and bonds? On a long-term basis, yes. On a short-term basis, this is the worst time in my life 
that I've ever seen for investing in in fixed income. Uh, I'm I'm personally I'm higher in cash and I'm lower in fixed income bonds than I would like to be. Uh, and I get requests all the time. Say, Sheldon, you know, what can I, what can, what kind of fixed income can I invest in without a lot of risk? And I don't really know the answer. And and so I personally, my own, my own solution is overweight cash for the moment until such time as uh, bonds start to pay a decent return. Uh, other than that, I think you're running a, a huge risk and that uh, you can wind up buying uh, low-yielding bonds. And, of course, when the yields go up, the price of the price of them go down. Uh, one possibility that I've given a little thought to is uh, international and emerging market um, bond funds. Uh, in the ETF area, there, there are two that are... I want to consider one's called Spider S and P International Dividend. The ticker is DWX. Uh, the SEC yield is six point one percent. Another one is Spider S and P Emerging Markets Dividend EDIV. Excuse me, uh, and the and the yield is four point two percent. But again, these are not free lunches. You, uh, you you can get higher yields, but you you do you will have to take higher risk. It's not like a few years ago where you could get fairly decent uh, yields with a minimum of risk. So it's not what it is anymore. Okay, the second essential you say is to diversify within asset classes. Uh, so let's talk about stocks first. What are some of the categories that one would diversify within stocks? Within an asset class? Yes. Well, we get, let's talk about equities because that's the dynamic and that's where the risk and the reward is. Uh, the usual uh, classification, you'd want some growth stocks or funds. You'd want some income Stocks or funds, you'd want international, you want domestic, uh, you want some small cap, you want large cap, basically the usual. But what what I found and what I I think is a prime recommendation in the book, and I can, and that is, you can do all of this with two funds, and that's really all you need. If you look, if you want to follow investing and you want to keep on top of everything and the latest, it's probably worthwhile. You'll probably do better. But on the other hand, you can buy two funds and do okay, and maybe you'll even do better than the people who put in more time or effort. And I include professionals in this. The first one you go out and buy is what's called a total stock market index fund. It buys everything. It buys all these style categories I just mentioned, um, and you can get them from four or five different mutual fund concerns. I take, for example, the, the Vanguard Total Stock Market Index Fund. It owns 3,300 stocks. Basically, if there's anything worthwhile that's traded, it's in this fund. 
why do you, why can you get by with just this fun? It's simple because the, the correlations between the styles, such as you know growth and in income, large cap, small cap, the correlations over the long term are so high that it doesn't pay to try to pick what style you're going to work uh, go with. Now, there's one fault with the total stock market index fund. They're capitalization weighted, which means they overweight large cap and they underweight uh, small cap. In the case of the Vanguard total stock market index fund, 70% of the stocks in that fund are large cap. And that's overweighting as far as I'm concerned. So what I would do is I would put, say, $4,000 into a total stock market index fund. I would enter on and I would buy a small cap index fund and put maybe a thousand dollars there. So about four times as much in the, the total market fund as you put in a small cap fund. And you're pretty well covered on that sort of thing. Mysteries of life is, is why people don't understand that but the index funds, even though they say they're only going to try to be average, actually wind up beating a lot of other people. And and you can see it in the uh, general statistics. And, and, if, and if you – also, you see it on some of my individual picks. Uh, let me give you – let me tell you what I mean by that. Well, back in the 1980s, I guess it was, I got a phone call from Jonathan Clements. At that time, he was a columnist for the Wall Street Journal. And Sheldon, he said to me, if you could only recommend one fund, which one would it be? So I tossed out a name and I forgot about it. Five years later, Jonathan called me again and said, Sheldon, congratulations, you're in second place. I said, second place in what? He says, the contest. He says, don't you remember I asked you to pick one fund? So I should have said, what contest? But instead I asked, what fund did I pick? And, he, and Jonathan tells me that I picked the Vanguard Total Stock Market Index Fund. And I came in second. I don't, to this day, I don't know what the contest was about, and I, but I know I'm against other pros. Now let me give you a sequel to this. In uh, late December 2009, I was in another contest in the Chicago Tribune. I came in second out of eight contestants, and my picks were two broad-based index funds. I beat six pros with index funds, and only one beat me. Now you say to yourself, well, maybe it's just the year, maybe I'm lucky. That's not the case. Uh, Standard & Poor's just announced their index fund performance for last year, and also for the last three and five years. In 2011, last year, only 16% of actively managed U.S. equity funds outperformed their S&P benchmarks. 84% failed to outperform the benchmarks. Now, if you go back over the previous three and five-year periods, uh, it's, it's a little closer, uh, but still only 43% and 39% of actively managed funds outperform the benchmarks. So the majority still did not. Uh, okay. 
good. All right, we're going to take a break, Sheldon, actually. Uh, my sure. guest this hour is uh, Sheldon Jacobs. He's just written a book called Investing Without Wall Street, The Five Essentials of Financial Freedom. We'll be back after this. which guests are being featured this week. Read our network press releases and read the blog posts from your favorite hosts. Go to iradioblog.com today. Powered by the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Leadership is a vital skill set in today's competitive global economy. Being a leader is not enough. To succeed, you must optimize your performance and know how to imbue others in your organization with leadership skills. Practical, actionable leadership insights are the focus of Leadership Development News, hosted each Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, by Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler on the Voice America Business Channel. Doctors Greenberg and Nadler, who coach global leaders on how to be most effective, will share their insights and contacts. The path to leadership excellence begins here. Is your business model robust enough? In today's ever-changing business environment, people are working to transform themselves, their futures, and their business. Tune in to Business Reinvention with your host, Nancy Lynn. To stay ahead of the game in business, you have to constantly reinvent yourself and your organization. With Nancy's experience and that of her guest experts, you'll learn from stories of inspiration, innovation, and forward thinking. Listen for Business Reinvention, live every Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Business Channel. Play ball! If you're looking to talk baseball, even in the offseason, look no further than the King's Corner, talking baseball, with former World Series champion Jim Lairitz. Jim's known for a rather controversial stance during his show. He's brutally honest and ready to talk with current and former players, owners, and other key figures to bring you baseball from an insider's view. You won't want to miss a single episode. The King's Corner Talking Baseball with Jim Lairitz is heard every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Sheldon Jacobs. Uh, he's an expert on investing and mutual funds. He's just come out with a new book called Investing Without Wall Street, The Five Essentials of Financial Freedom. Welcome back to the show, Sheldon. Thank you. So you say that the uh, Vanguard Total Stock Market Index Fund and a small cap fund, or two funds, would do well. How about globally? Do you think it's important to be invested uh, globally? And if so, how would you do that today? You know, I've never seen so much dichotomy of opinion on, the, on that question in all my life. I, I, do, I still do an extensive amount of financial reading, and I, I see some people are advising you should be 25% in, in, in international. I've read other, I've read elsewhere you should be 50% uh, in um, international. Uh, I, it doesn't seem to be any universally agreed upon percentage. So my conclusion is, is you do it opportunistically. If you think, if, if international funds seem to be hot, 
then I would upweight on international funds. Uh, if domestic funds are doing better, then I would shift more into domestic. Uh, and uh, I think a lot, a lot of this, you know, also bears eventually on, on the how sound the dollar is. If the dollar is going to weaken, you know, then you want to be more into international and vice versa. So if you're going to go into international... Absolutely. That is is clearly a component. If you you think you do want to be an international, are there some index funds, or how would you play international if you do think you want to be an international? Oh, I think for most people, you should... You should should be in funds. Um, I, 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 I say generally... That uh, you should be using index funds for your core holdings, uh, but uh, you should also look at actively managed funds because there are a number of reasons why actively managed funds may may be doing better. Um, maybe just maybe the portfolio manager manager is just on a hot streak. You know, uh, there could be, or maybe the. the the stocks he's investing in are really in favor, uh, but I so I would start for most people. I would start with a fifty-fifty split between indexing for your core and actively managed to try to do a little bit better. And the same holds true for international funds. Uh, you, there are many any number of good indexed international funds, and there's also some very good uh, actively managed ones. I, I tend to lean away from from uh, single country funds, uh, that, that's, unless you really know a lot about them. Uh, but I certainly wouldn't go out and buy a single country fund just because I happen to read something about it or or some advisors told me, you know, that uh, Brazil is hot. You know, uh, if I did my own do my own research and, and understand what's really happening in a country, then I probably would consider single single country. But otherwise, I again, at least 50% would be indexed broadly. What would be an example of, of an index, international index fund and an international actively managed fund that you would like? Uh, okay, let me... Get... It's funny, Jordan. Since I've retired, and since I've spent so much time um, on my five essentials, I, I, I don't have uh, uh, fifty recommendations like I used to. Um, you know, I, I, by that I mean I, you know, that I follow fifty funds or so. Uh, you can uh, on the index ones. There's um, Vanguard, FTSE, all-world ex-U.S. fund, um, and they also have a Vanguard, FTSE, all-world ex-U.S. ex-small-cap fund. Uh, those those two are probably as good as any. It's, it's Fidelity. You can do uh, uh, Fidelity Diversified International. Fidelity International Discovery, uh, Fidelity International Small Cap. There's a wide selection. Uh, again, okay. 
as I said initially, it's more important to get your overall asset allocation right than it is to pick the specific funds you want to be in. Okay, good. All right, the third essential element is to understand and control risk. Uh, first of all, how can you understand what risk you're taking and then how can you control it? The, the, the best way to control risk is with your asset allocation. Um, and that's probably for the average person just simply the best way to do it. If, if you control your risk that way. But you, but you think about the risk. You don't just go out and buy something. There are too many people go out and they, they get a recommendation. They, they don't really check the riskiness of that recommendation, uh, nor do they really understand how it fits in with the rest of their portfolio. So it, it really all goes back to my five essentials. If you get the overall picture right, the details take care of themselves. And now, I also happen to think that, that uh, you need, to, in this kind of market, and, that, and by that I mean the kind of markets we've had since the great the secular bull market ended in the year 2000, that we are basically in a secular bear market right now. And we're probably going to be in a secular bear market for, who knows, it could be I think personally my lifetime and, and maybe a lot of other people's lifetime. So you have to take, you know, back in the 80s and the 90s, you, re, you really just worried about gains. How could you gain the most? And if you, took, if, you, if you bought riskier securities, very likely you were going to make more money than if you bought conservative securities. But that's not true anymore. We are in a secular bear market. Uh, now we, but we are in a cyclical phase of that secular bear market. But we're in. But let's get practical. We're now in the fourth year of a cyclical bull market, and cyclical bull markets, by definition, really seldom go much past five years. So you have to emphasize risk as much as you emphasize reward, which is a change of thinking from the 80s and the 90s where you really could concentrate on reward. I mean, the difference between now and then is if you go in the safest investments that have the least risk, you get zero return today. So you're falling behind inflation. So people almost feel forced to take risk in order to have some potential return because if they're getting zero on cash and 2% or less on bonds, uh, you know, the so-called safe investments aren't so safe when you count the uh, effective inflation. Well, it's nice to be able to beat inflation, but there's nobody says that somebody's got to accommodate you. I don't think that, personally, I don't think there is any way to really beat inflation right now. And we have a, a national debt that's so high that they're never going to raise taxes uh, high enough to uh, pay it off, and which leaves the, the only other way to pay it off is inflation. So get ready for it. Um, that's why in the book I stepped away from buy and hold, which is what most advocates of, of uh, 
uh, index funds say, you know, just buy and hold. The record shows that if you, if you uh, own a fund for 15 or 20 years, you almost always make money. Uh, that's true in a general market, but I'm not sure it's going to be true in the next uh, decade or two. Um, so, you know, but you may have to search other solutions entirely, like one, don't retire so early, you know, or don't save more. These may become more viable alternatives. Okay, very good. Okay, so the, the next essential element is to keep your costs low. Uh, what is the advantage of keeping your costs low? Well, you know, there's a lot of studies that have shown that the lower the expenses, the better the long-term performance. And, in fact, there are studies that show that that fund expenses predict performance better than any other single factor, and that includes past performance. You are better off in the long run keeping your expenses low than you are in, in, in trying to find which fund had the best past performance. Now, the reason for that is is that costs are a zero-sum game. What... Um, what you pay out in costs directly de decrease your how much your money you make on it, and this is the key reason why index funds do so well. You know, look, you, you got to pay attention to expenses. You can't control the markets, you can't control the economy, companies, the fund managers, but you can control the expenses, and it's the most important thing. You don't ever have to buy a high-cost investment, and you shouldn't. There are always fine investments available with lower expenses. I would try to buy funds with expense ratios under 1%. And I've run out some numbers for the book, and the difference between high-expense investing and low-expense investing is absolutely incredible. In fact, I did a study. I took an average earner. Over a 40-year investing lifetime, an average earner can make $252,000 more by doing it himself or herself than a person who invests exactly the same way as one who shares the profits with professionals. And what I, what I simply did was I, I assumed a 6-7% the uh, average return over the next decade or two, um, and I took one case. You stayed with low-cost index funds, and you had a a um, twenty basis point overhead cost, and compare that to two percent, which is what basically you're going to wind up with if you deal with a broker or financial planner, even more than two percent. So just on that simple comparison, you make a quarter of a million dollars more over your lifetime by uh, by not sharing your profits with professionals. That's a lot of money. So is this both the, the upfront load and the management fees? Uh, the combination of those I two? I can't is, hear you. is this both the load or upfront no load as well as the management fees that you're talking about? Basically, I'm talking. Yeah, if you if you buy a broad-based index fund, you, you can do it yourself. I, you know, I've just said go buy one fund and you've done it. 
You don't need a professional to help you do that, except for market timing. Now, if you want a professional for market timing, that's another matter. But if you're just, say, a buy-and-hold investor, you got to be nuts not to just go buy a total stock market index fund and, and hold on to it. And uh, it's not only do you have this cost advantage, which is huge over a period of time, but also if you're managing your own stuff, uh, you know you're working in your own self-interest. Now, you know, most most investment professionals do a good job. I'm not I'm not opposed to people going to professionals, but on the other hand, there are Bernie Madoffs out there, and there are a lot of ways. There are a lot of I can tell you horror stories over the years. Uh, okay, uh, good. Uh, we we have to go to break, Sheldon. Actually, okay. So, Mike, uh, this is Jordan. Yeah, you're you're the money on me again, Jordan. Okay. I'm going to take a break here. Uh, my guest this hour is Sheldon Jacobs. Uh, his new book is called Investing Without Wall Street, The Five Essentials of Financial Freedom. We'll be back after this. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. If you currently or aspire to serve on a board or work in a leadership capacity for or with a public or nonprofit organization, where can you turn to get the best advice and practices? How about Leadership Matters with Dr. G? Our program discusses challenges facing both public and nonprofit leaders. Don't miss these practical solutions and tips to enhance your leadership style and effectiveness. Leadership Matters with Dr. G airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. To perform at your maximum potential, you need to have all aspects of your life working properly. On Mind, Brain, and Body, Dr. Michael John Kell will bring you honest, open discussions concerning your physical, mental, and financial health. If you're ready to find purpose and meaning in your life, tune in to Mind, Brain, and Body every Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific. Mind, Brain, and Body on Voice America Health & Wellness. Radio dedicated to your health, wealth, wisdom, and purpose. What does a visual workplace mean to you? How does it contribute to operational excellence? And what steps do you take to put it powerfully in place? Listen to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense to find out. Each week, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, shares tools and strategies to help you make the workplace speak at a glance without saying a word. Learn to work safer, faster, better, and at far less cost no matter what business you're in. Tune in to The Visual Workplace every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Sheldon Jacobs, who's written a new book called Investing Without Wall Street, The Five Essentials of Financial Freedom. Welcome back to the show, Sheldon. Good to be back. Okay. Your fifth essential is to choose the right financial media to follow. 
uh, how should one digest all the financial news coming out there from newspapers, magazines, TV, the internet, and, and make most of it and not get swung around by all the volatility? You know, first, first of all, I, I want to say is that uh, most of what I know about investing I have learned from the media. I think the media is the most underrated source of investment knowledge uh, that there is and that everybody should spend more time with the media. And, and by media, I, I regard everything, and print media, books, newsletters, newspapers, uh, broadcasts, the Internet, conferences like the Money Show. And, uh, these are all media. And, and I think more, I learned virtually everything from the media, and I think the same is true for even professionals. Um, uh, well, I guess if you actually worked on Wall Street, which I never did, um, you'd probably pick up some from your colleagues. But uh, other than that, you, the, the media is what's important. And uh, there have been studies done that, that, said, that have shown that. Now, I would take with media, I, I, I would divide people into categories, because there's, there's a wide variety of media, and and some are right for you and others are not right for you. I would say if you're a real beginner, the best place to start learning is by reading books that teach investing or finance base basics. Excuse me. If you're an intermediate investor and you have some knowledge of the fundamentals, personal finance magazines are probably right for you. Um and by that, I mean like Money Magazine, <clears throat> Smart Money, uh, Kiplinger's. And finally, uh, advanced investors should get most of their information from newspapers. Um, they publish daily. They're, they're really more on top of it than even the specialized media. Now, if you're reasonably sophisticated, you can learn it from business radio and TV. But I think broadcast has a certain amount of noise that you got to be aware of, and it might mislead you. Now, I'm when it comes to newsletters, I'm biased because for 25 years I was a newsletter publisher and, and uh, uh, editor. Uh, but there's a lot of things you can get from newsletters uh, that you can't get from the other media, media and primarily that uh, there are specific recommendations. They are by far the the best source of unbiased recommendations. Uh, you have to take costs into account. Um, you know, let's face it, personal advice from an investment professional is usually the best, but it's expensive. You get what you you pay for what you get. Um, general media are far cheaper um, and more and more readily accessible. Um, when it comes to the newspapers, the three that you really should look at first are the Wall Street Journal, Barron's, and the Sunday edition of the New York Times. Now, there are other, there are other broad-based uh, uh, newspapers that, that carry an adequate amount of financial news, but, but if you're really serious about it, you really want to start with the Wall Street Journal and the other two I just mentioned. Um, you, you talked, Sheldon, about cheap. Um, they're a great read. They're interesting, um, but they, there are some negatives to them. Uh, they have plenty of buy advice, but they rarely have any sell guidance. 
Uh, and unlike newsletters, nobody evaluates the accuracy of their recommendations. And, of course, as with all mass media, they can't offer any personalized advice. Um, also, the uh, personal finance magazines, I think, don't carry as much general news as I would like to see. You know, for example, when there are all these problems with Fannie and Freddie, newspapers covered it exhaustively. Uh, the personal finance magazines, to a lesser extent, um, but at least I'll say this, uh, none of the personal finance magazines really emphasize individual stocks in their investment coverage. Um, so also, you, talk- you know, since the, the, um, the secular bull market ended in 2000, um, the, the three personal finance magazines, again, Money, Kiplinger's, and Smart Money, they've shifted more to a lifestyle focus. And uh, you, they still have useful how to invest articles, but they don't emphasize that anymore. Now, you know, the articles range from insurance to home ownership, you know, smart buying, estate planning, cars, what's the most desirable city to live in. Uh, and in addition to these three magazines, there are, there are another three magazines that do combine business and personal finance information. And I'm thinking of Forbes. Fortune and Bloomberg Business Week. Uh, they're all good. I, I happen to like Forbes myself because it has a somewhat more personal finance information in it. Now, let me talk about my own favorite, which is newsletters. Uh, they're higher priced than magazines, but I think they're well worth it. Uh, unlike all the other media, the primary business of newsletters is to make recommendations. They're the only generalized source of financial information uh, that uh, publishes model portfolios that you can actually follow. They're the only source that provides regular sell advice. Uh, Most newsletters don't accept advertising, which may be a source of bias in some cases. Um, The other thing is, is that there are model portfolios and newsletters that are monitored independently by a, uh, a guy named Mark Halbert. Um, no other media monitors performance claims. Um, also, in this Internet day and age, most newsletters, or many newsletters anyway, uh, update advice by email between the issues. Now, Carol, let me just ask you, Sheldon, a question. You have uh, the perils of listening to perma bulls and bears. What is wrong with me? I can't hear you. What is wrong with listening to so-called perma bears and bulls? People are always bullish or always bearish. There, there's a phenomenon of perma bears, and they they have an opinion. The opinion. Some of them are always bearish. Um, this was most prevalent. Uh, when it was back in the days when gold did so well, back in the 70s particularly. Uh, eventually, their audience 
tends to be people who want to hear always bearish news, which is fine if that's what you want. But if you're simply just trying to make the most money, you really want a, a publication that is bearish when it's, they should be bearish and bullish when they should be bullish. Um, the, the, the other side of this, of course, is there's some media that are always bullish. Uh, and they, uh, you don't see as much of it anymore, but but certainly during a big bull market, uh, there were many many uh, advisors, uh, not and media that were congenitally bullish because because the, the investment advisors by and large can make more money being bullish than they can being bearish because if you're if if you're appealing to bulls, there's you can recommend you can always have something to recommend. Um, uh, but if, if you all of a sudden become bearish, but um, what what can you do? Tell people to sell what they've already bought, and that's about it. Yeah, very good. Okay, well, thanks so much. My guest this hour has been Sheldon Jacobs. His new book is called "Investing Without Wall Street: The Five Essentials of Financial Freedom." And clearly, there's lots of ways you can really do better with your investments. He's given some very specific ideas here. So thanks very much for being a guest on the Money Answer Show, Sheldon. Can I mention that I have a website called SheldonJacobs.com that has a lot of interesting information on it. What is the website again? SheldonJacobs.com. It's got a lot of really interesting stuff on it. Excellent. Very good. Well, thanks so much for being a guest on the show, Sheldon. And we'll be back again next week with another edition of The Money Answer Show. Goodbye for now. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and The Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.